Welcome to Lesser Known Lewis, where two friends and C.S. Lewis fans explore his lesser known works. I'm Sean. And I'm Jordan. Join us in season two, where Lewis will be our guide in the Christian life, teaching us to pray and helping us to reflect through the seasons of Advent, Christmas, and Lent. Well, Happy New Year, Jordan. Ah, yes, thank you. Happy New Year to you as well. I hope um, that... Did you let your kids stay up till midnight? Certainly not. I love my life too <laughs> much for that. Oh, in, in fact... Why not? I, <laughs> well, I, I will say that it was midnight somewhere in the world when they went to sleep. <laughs> the real question is, uh, are, you, are you more of a morning person or a night person? And do you enjoy the tradition of people staying up past midnight at New Year's? I am definitely more, well, I don't know that I'm more of a morning person, but probably since I hit 30, once 1030 rolls around, I don't function very well. I can, I can be present, but if you want me to say words, uh, there's not going to be much coming out of my mouth. Yeah. It's movie watching time at that point. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Partying does not happen after 1030 for me. Yeah. It's so funny to think back to, uh, you know, working at the, working at Eston college here and interacting with students again, and just thinking about times when I was in the dorm with you, when we would literally sit down at 10 or 1030 at night mm-hmm. and like have a full meal. And then, yeah. and, and that's like <laughs> at the beginning of a social, you know, encounter. And just to think mm-hmm. of, to think about how utterly tired I am now as an old man Ugh. with my three children and my responsibilities and, and all those other kinds of things. Uh, I want to be, I want to be pretty cozy and unpresentable by 1030 at night. So then that brings us to new years, which we still celebrate, but maybe on a different time zone than what we're used to. That's true. Yeah. It's great being kind of closer to the West coast because you can watch the ball drop in New York at about 10 p.m. and feel like you've celebrated New Year's <laughs> and uh, tuck yourself into bed. And do you have any New Year's traditions, Jordan? Not usually. My New Year's varies a lot from year to year. So it's uh, quite often I'm with my parents. And I mean, if you think I'm a good time after 1030, my parents <laughs> are quite the partiers. I mean, my mom will doze off around 9.30 <laughs> and my dad and I will actually usually we'll watch like World Juniors hockey uh, that day. But um, I mean, that's not going on around midnight. So I don't even know what we do, yep. to be honest. Do you have any traditions? Well, I, I, I don't, not firmly. Uh, I would say that I've married into a family that seems like it has a few more traditions and plans and whatever. One of, one of the more fun New Year's mm-hmm. that I ever had was... Uh, my wife grew up in a in a village of a of 300 people called Veteran Alberta, and 
we spent New Year's a few a couple of New Year's in the veteran area uh, with my wife's parents, family, and then their children. And uh, we'd usually rent out a hall, do something called disking, which is essentially like kind of like shuffleboard mm. or um, iceless curling. And I have to say that was one of my favorite New Year's. While we were there, somebody introduced me to the what is probably has pagan roots because it just now it feels so pagan to me. <laughs> the tradition of right at New Year's, you know, you do the countdown and then you just bolt out of your house mm -hmm. with no shoes on and preferably just in like shorts and a t-shirt. And here in Canada, you know, it could be minus 30 on, uh, uh, you know, January 1st and run around the house, do a lap around the house. And we've been doing that <laughs> for the last number of years. It was quite a bit more pleasant in Antalya, Turkey. But I have to say, you know, you watch World Juniors. It's a very Canadian thing to do. I feel like running barefoot through the snow is a very Canadian thing to do on New Year's. And so that's that's one of my faves. That's true. I like that. I might try it. Well, uh, fun fact, my grandmother is from the same small Canadian village that your wife is from. No. Yep. Yeah. Well, now that everyone has access to my banking uh, passcode security information, like <laughs> where was your grandmother born? <laughs> uh, I kept looking for a segue into this and I was like, uh... <laughs> I've got it. I've got it. Well, those are some thoughts about New Year's, Jordan. But uh, <laughs> we should we should discuss some thoughts about uh, other matters by wow. the indomitable C.S. Lewis. Uh, we are having a good Christmas. I think it's just we're in holiday mode, I think is what it is. Um, yeah. So today's episode, folks, is on this essay where, hey, you know what? I think Lewis was in holiday mode when he titled this essay. Agreed. He called it Some Thoughts. Yeah. Some Thoughts. There's many things that you could say about <laughs> Lewis. Calling him lazy, especially when it comes to his writing, is not one of them. But I have to no. say, for an essay written about medical missionaries in Dublin, mm -hmm. it is mm -hmm. a, a deceptively nondescript title. Yeah. I mean, from the world's, one of the world's most creative minds, the mind that imagined Narnia into existence. He came up with some thoughts. <laughs> what do you want to call this one, Clive? Some thoughts. <laughs> yeah. He was I guess he nicknamed himself Jack. So that's pretty unoriginal. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, poor, poor guy. Lewis is just going through the ringer with us this morning, this afternoon, whenever we're out of where it's like seven o'clock at night. Yeah, it's like saying? 7 p.m. Oh, poor, poor Lewis. Well, we, you know, we should just get into it, I suppose. Yeah. So as I've already mentioned, this essay is um, really the discussion of a tension in our Christian faith. And uh, Jordan, there's some aspects of it that we might discuss at a later date just to fit with a different season, but you wanted to bring it up uh, now at the tail end of, of the Christmas season. You know, and again, if you're not celebrating Christmas according to the traditional liturgical calendar, you might be saying, hey, we're well beyond Christmas. What are you saying? We're actually just getting toward the end 
of the 12 days of Christmas with end, which end with the, the Feast of the Epiphany. And uh, which in the East, you know, if you, if you um, I know that where I grew up, there's lots of Ukrainians. We would call it Ukrainian Christmas is January 6th. So we're still in the Christmas season. But again, I'll just ask it, Jordan, why, why this? Why this one during the Christmas season? Why some thoughts? That is a good question. Um, yeah, like you said, he focuses this essay around what he calls the blessedly two-edged character of Christianity. And he also calls it an undying paradox. And so the paradox is between two things. One of those things is the part of Christianity that I think fits really well with the themes of Christmas, of the incarnation, which we are currently celebrating right now, which you said, uh, during the 12 days of the Christmas season. The other side of that paradox uh, fits really well with the way we practice uh, our faith during Lent, or the way at least that um, those of us who do things like fasting and uh, different practices of asceticism during Lent, um, it, it will fit really well with those sorts of Lenten practices. And so in this season two of our podcast, where Lewis is um, being our guide to the Christian life, we're going to tackle the, fir- the one side of this paradox through this essay uh, right now, through while it's Christmas. Then we're going to return to the essay uh, right before Lent, and it's going to help us understand why we do things like fasting, uh, not just at Lent um, as Christians, but at any time. But I thought it would be a good one to lead us into Lent, um, especially for anyone who might be new to something like Lent uh, or new to fasting, and you want to give it a go, maybe during Lent. Try some sort of fast during Lent. So there's going to be quite a few episodes, uh, well, maybe a small handful of episodes between part one and part two, you'll notice, but uh, don't worry, it will show up in your feed eventually once you hit that subscribe button, which I know you're doing right now. So as I talked about a lot last week at Christmas, uh, we celebrate Jesus's incarnation. And um, in that, we see that God affirms the activities of humans, which are directed towards this present world, towards this creation. And so Lewis says the paradox that he gets into is kind of between the Christian activities of this present world and the Christian activities that seem to be against this present world in favor of like the next world or the spiritual world. Um, So it's kind of a, again, we're looking at that physical versus spiritual type thing, or maybe this present world versus the world to come. And I guess we talked about that in weight of glory too, didn't we? That this world is not my home, right? That's right. And so Lewis says that if you were to look at Christianity from just particular parts of it, you might think that it was one of the world affirming religions um, because Christians care for the poor, 
and they heal the sick and they bless things like marriage. They take part in arts and philosophy and agriculture and literacy and government. Um, so it might be like one of the world affirming re religions that cares about this world, something like uh, any other pagan religion or um, even secular humanism. But then again, if you look at the other side of Christianity and some other parts of it, you realize that the center piece of it is about a man dying by torture and that the center image is of a tool of martyrdom and that they fast all the time. Christians fast all the time. And we think about mortality and then we talk about our treasure being in another world. And he goes, well, maybe if you just saw those pieces, you'd be tempted to think that Christianity was a world denying religion, something more like Buddhism. And his point is that actually Christianity is not one or the other. It's something different altogether. He says it cuts across both classifications. And here's why. Let me read this quote to you. This is why. Christians um, live in a graded or hierarchical universe where there is a place for everything and everything should be kept in its right place. The supernatural is higher than the natural, but each has its place, just as a man is higher than a dog, but a dog has its place. It is, therefore, to us not at all surprising that healing for the sick and provision for the poor should be less important than, and then in brackets he says, when they are, as sometimes happens, alternative to, the salvation of souls. And yet, very important. So they're still important. It's not that they're not important. It's just that when they're alternative, when caring for the poor and healing the sick are alternative to salvation of souls, they are uh, of lesser importance. And then in another way, he says, because God created the, nat the natural and um, note that he invented it out of his love and artistry, it demands our reverence. But on the other hand, because it is only a creature and not he, that is not God, Nature is, from another point of view, of little account. So on the one hand, Sean, the natural realm, the physical realm, is wonderful. It's valuable. It it's demands our reverence mm -hmm. because God created it. On the other hand, because... God created it. It's not God. It's not the ultimate thing. Mm -hmm. So it's, it doesn't demand compared to the ultimate thing, which is God. It doesn't demand ultimate reverence. What are your thoughts? Yeah. And, and I think that's a, well, that's such a, a fair and succinct way of summing up what Lewis is saying here. He just before that quote that you read, he says, you know what, honestly, if you grew up in a Christian environment and you're just at home in the church, you actually may be somewhat blind to this, this um, tension because you just grew up in it. It was normal for you. He says, quote, they Christians may hard find it hard to sympathize with the bewilderment. I referred to the, the bewilderment being when a new believer comes in, they try to pin down Christianity as either A, a world-affirming religion, as, uh, as Jordan said, or B, 
an otherworldly affirming religion or a world denying religion. And I would say that that's really true. Most of my conversations with non-Christians, um, they're uh, the stumbling block, the barrier that they face when they're looking at the faith, or if, if they're maybe a little bit hostile or at least objecting to the truth claims of Christianity and, uh, and, and Jesus and who he is and all that kind of thing. They view the faith through maybe a bit of a straw man argument that either overemphasizes its world-denying aspect, you know, summed up in, in, uh, in mm. the axiom, so heavenly-minded that he's no earthly good, no worldly good. Or, or they say, you're too concerned with power, you're too concerned with material success, you're too concerned with, with these things, and you're not um, offering anything kind of for, for the next world. And, and uh, yeah, I've seen that in, in non-Christians of different cultures and, and people. And, and I feel like most of the time when people really object to Christianity as an overly ascetic or a not ascetic enough faith, it is because they're, they're missing this tension. They just can't see how, on one hand, for instance, that historical Christianity would really exalt um, people who would deny their sexuality— you know, monks, nuns, priests, uh, and then at the same time make such a big deal out of marriage and affirm uh, pro-life arguments, affirm big families, and and hold fast to that kind of early Genesis command, be fruitful and multiply. How How is it that, that you know, on one hand, the people that we're exalting almost seem anti-family, and then on the other hand, we're hyper-family? And, uh, and again, I think it comes down to this tension. I think I wish I had been aware of this quote in this whole essay when we were doing our first episode on membership and we were confused about his hierarchy and non-equality statements and that kind of thing. This kind of, this helps me see better what he means that you can say that, that things are of relative value, that uh, something can be of lesser value, even though it's still valuable. Like some, it, it affirms the value of creation and of humans, uh, within creation and a physical matter with, but still putting it in its place. Like that's his point in this quote is that everything has its place, its rightful place. And so I think that's where it comes back to the incarnation for me, which is to say that the the good news of the incarnation is a reminder that we do live in a hierarchical world or reality. And it's one where the supernatural realm is greater than the physical, but in the incarnation, that's why the incarnation is this grand miracle, which Lewis calls it in this wonderful essay that we'll get to maybe next Christmas. I don't know, two Christmases stay tuned for Christmas, 2025. (laughs) It's amazing because if, if the supernatural realm, the spiritual realm, maybe we we should say is more important or greater than let's just say greater than, I don't know why we need to say important um, for the sake of this conversation. Anyway, supernatural spiritual realm is greater than the natural realm. And yet God became man. That means, first of all, it it affirms that man was always valuable. Yes. Even though compared to God, 
Lewis says, man is of little account. Like man should be of little account. And yet God still became man. And then second of all, the fact that God became man begins to then raise up our humanity into the divine Godhead, right? So when Jesus takes on our humanity, or like we said, or Irenaeus said that he assumes our humanity, then our humanity is becoming, is being taken up into the Godhead. Mm -hmm. And that's incredible. Mm -hmm. Like that's good news, right? Yeah, I do. I feel like this rightly ordered creation is is such a theme in Lewis's works that have come out. Uh, the more that we look at his his um, essay writing and and his 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 more didactical kind of works, uh, it, it just becomes so clear. Um, and again, here he's saying the supernatural is higher than the natural. I don't know how much we can necessarily say that. Like, I know that that division even sometimes is really unhelpful in the minds of people uh, to think that, again, because we don't want to slip into the error of of saying, well, if it's unseen, it's better. And if it's seen, it's worse. That's just not biblical. But it is different. Like, you know, what we're not, no one's making the argument that you you can see an angel under a microscope kind of thing. Um, and so therefore, the seen realm and the unseen realm need to be... Um, treated as differently, uh, as different rather. But I, I think that what we miss a lot when we have authors like Lewis who are firm in affirming hierarchy. We live in a, we live in a time where hierarchy is associated with, with uh, uh, the patriarchy, you know, where, where different worldviews would say that any hierarchy um, is, is immoral because it's based on power and all power is, is fundamentally abusive and, and those kinds of things. We have to remember that the hierarchy set up by Christ is such that the leader is the servant of all, that the top is the bottom and the bottom is the top. So exactly what you just said, it is Christmas time. So rather than lock ourselves in a room that's darkened, uh, a meditation chamber, uh, maybe I, I've always wanted, you know, if you ever want to get me a present, um, Jordan <laughs> or anybody listening. And I owe you one. Yeah. Yeah. What would it be like to be in a sensory deprivation tank? This is not what we do at Christmas. It's the exact opposite of what we do at Christmas. Uh, as I reflected in our last episode, Christmas celebrations actually stimulate all of our five senses and that's worth celebrating. No, instead... What could be seen, the corporeal, the, the incarnated, the body, the material, which could be seen as worse because it's not, quote, supernatural, is how we celebrate God coming into flesh. It's how we do it. Mm -hmm. And so Lewis here, just to, like, let's make this just fiercely practical. Lewis here is talking about what should we be spending our time on? What does our faith value as, as an exercise of our of our vocation and our lives and, and, and what deserves it. And so on one hand, he's saying, yes, we need to go out and salvation, you know, getting the gospel message out, having more people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus so that their eternity is secured as a unity with God rather than one of punishment. Okay, so that, that's really important. That's very otherworldly. That's very, very next lifey. But he also says, 
hey, we should be starting hospitals. We should be grieving with people because of what they lose. We should be considering that, that death and all the decay of sickness, disease, poverty, etc. are problems in the here and now, and because they're here and now, we should face them. And, you know, we, we should, because we are citizens of heaven and, and eternal beings, we should be concerned about what's going on right now, right here, right in front of us, with our neighbor, with our friend, and that um, one can't be separated from the other because you can be a great neighbor who never shares the truth of the world to come or of the God that transcends creation. Um, or you can be somebody who ignores your neighbor because you concern yourself only with the world to come and the God who transcends creation. Um, do you think that's fair? And, and if so, uh, what does that mean for us if we take Lewis's words seriously in this season? Hmm. I definitely think that is the case. That's, and that's like what you were concerned about. Even back to the Weight of Glory episodes, you were a little concerned that what Lewis was saying might uh, lead people down a path of... Um, you know, we might say Gnosticism or Platonism or, you know, just wanting to say that this physical world is bad and uh, the way it looks in our world now, it might be transhumanism, right? Like, let's get out of here, escape to our minds, virtual reality, whatever. Yeah. Lewis's point here is that it's both and. So even though there's another world, right? In the weight of glory, we talked about our desires pointing us to the fact that this world is not my home. That's true. Um but this present world is still good. And it's actually through the things of this creation that we are able to experience and are directed towards and are growing towards that other world. And Lewis says that actually uh, it's in letters to Malk, uh, it might be in screw tape letters, that he talks about the need to pray with our bodies mm. because what we do with our bodies affects our souls. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like, you know, you don't need your bodies because your spirits are higher or more important. You need your body in order to grow spiritually. Uh, and what you do with your body affects your soul. And so, like you said, for the sake of this article about written for this hospital, even though there's another world that the people dying the Christian people anyway, they'll go to that other world, that heaven. But this present world is still good. And so it's still worth fighting for. It's still worth fighting against death. Jesus wept when Lazarus died. Lewis writes that Jesus wept because death is even more horrible in his eyes than in ours. So death is still a bad thing. And and oddly enough, the incarnation affirms that. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, we're not we're not a following a faith of escapism. There is no escapism, and and unfortunately, we have swung that way a number of times. He names two different philosophical constructs in this essay, Jordan. One is Manichaeanism. Mm -hmm. The other is 
Stoicism. Uh, now, we're probably more familiar with Stoicism, and I think that's the more important of the two for our discussion and, and our, our context in the world today. Um, uh, the Manichaeans were all about kind of an extreme dualism. It was, it was a type of Gnosticism, and we don't need to go into all of that, mm-hmm. but it was um, kind of, I believe, oh man, third or fourth century kind of philosophy that that um that lived and thrived in the in the yeah. ancient near east for a few hundred years yeah third third according to wikipedia here yeah oh i was just hoping you knew that you had that inscribed in your mind and <laughs> and then stoicism uh more of a greek philosophy but but something that i want to say about stoicism right now i want to zoom in on that just for a minute because i think that we are actually more impacted now by stoicism uh, and and that it's an increasing force in our world again. One of these old philosophies that's coming back. Yeah, I, I've noticed in a, in a few of the podcasts that I listen to, a few of the books that I've been reading, that Stoicism is being offered almost as a form of non-religious spiritual formation. Mm-hmm. So you know, you might even on a popular level, you might find this in a in a YouTube influencer, an Instagram, you know, a social media influencer who's one of these, hey, I, I took cold showers every day for a month. See what happens, you know, those <laughs> kinds of things. And, uh, yeah. and, and I often find reference to stoicism in, in that kind of, in that world. I also, I'm a listener to the Jocko podcast. I haven't listened to it in a long mm. time, but I did for, mm-hmm. for a time. You ever listen to Jocko, Jordan? I need to. My best friend Dave keeps telling me I need to. So oh, there's some there's some great ones out there. It, it's it can be a little bit lengthy, but I I'm a, I'm a fan of Jocko. Jocko brings out like a lot of stoicism in in uh, kind of mm. his personal philosophy and, and a lot of people mm-hmm. who he has on. Um, the thing with stoicism though, and and how it contrasts here in some thoughts from what we're talking about as as a biblical worldview. Is that sometimes, and, and that we fall victim to in Christianity sometimes, is that we we uh, would say in Stoic, sorry, Stoics would say rather, that virtue is sufficient for happiness. So the idea mm-hmm. there is, as long as I'm doing the right thing, even if I'm suffering for it, I should be able to find my happiness, joy, and fulfillment in virtue alone. And if you go really deep into Stoicism, how the Greeks define virtue is maybe even a little bit different than what comes to mind when we hear that word. Um, but again, time fails us to get into that. And because we don't have an expert on Stoicism on the podcast right now. But also um, important kind of uh, um, a sub point to that is that other good things that we might gain in our life, be they wealth, friendships, promotion status, um, things that would be considered indulgences, comforts, luxuries, etc., should all be regarded with indifference. Hmm. And so I think that is maybe what Lewis is bucking against here when he, when he kind of sneers at stoic superiority, where the goods that are in this world are, we shouldn't be indifferent to them. In fact, we should celebrate them and we should enjoy them. But where maybe Christianity and stoicism agree is that we also shouldn't be dominated by the pursuit of them. Where our attention comes back is to say that if we start at the cross, it's okay for us to enjoy the feast when it comes along. Um, but if we start at the feast and pursue only the feast, we're going to actually try and escape the cross. But the cross is our means of salvation. Does that come through clear? Yeah, that's really good, Sean. I listened to a 
a podcast episode by Bishop Barron where he was confronting stoicism much for the same reason. He said it's on the rise in popular influencer uh, mentality right now. And, and he said much the same thing that you did, I think. Um, so that's really good. I think the, the only other thing I would add to this, this part of uh, our conversation on some thoughts is the last line. The last line is too good not to quote. Lewis writes, because we love something else more than this world, we love even this world better than those who know no other. Such a good quote. Mm-hmm. It made me think of John 3.16, that God so loved this world mm. that he sent his only son, right? And at Christmas, we, we celebrate the sending of his son to this world. And we celebrate this world and the things of this world and, and our embodiment in this world. And, and specifically, we celebrate Jesus's embodiment in this world through our embodiment and our, our gift giving. But just that thought of God so loved this world. But I wonder if sometimes we have read that verse wrongly and interpreted it as God so loved this world more than anything else right? that he sent his only son to it. When, when the truth is, uh, the truth is what Lewis is saying, that God so loved something else more than this world that he loved so that he could love this world better than those who knew no, no other. Does that make sense? Yeah. That actually God knows there's more to this world than this world. And he is more aware of the greater things in the universe and creation and the whole, everything he's created and, and has, you know, obviously God knows what he's created and, and the way the universe works, but yeah, that's why he loves this world. That's why he wants to redeem it. That's why he sent his son to it and why he loves it. Um, and is able to love it better than we might think that this is all there is. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any uh, uh, final thoughts? No, I would just say that as we celebrate New Year's, uh, let's move into this new year, very aware of this tension and uh, something we'll probably revisit, like Jordan said, for those of you who will be fasting later uh, during Lent, and and celebrate well with friends, recognizing that it is it is well worth it. And that as you go um, this year, may it be a year where we share the gospel broadly and frequently, and may it be a year where we alleviate the the suffering of of people and and help to uplift those who are suffering from addictions, poverty, loneliness, um, mental illness, physical illness, etc. Uh, these are the things that because we are are citizens of another world that we should be concerned about in this one. That's really good. I like that. Um, that's a great practical reflection to draw us to a close on this first part of some thoughts. Um, like we said at the beginning, we will return to this essay in about six weeks time. I'm not exactly sure, but in between, um, we will have a couple of fun bonus episodes. Uh, I think I'm going to post 
an epiphany sermon that I'm preaching this week. Um, so this episode, I guess, is coming out January 4th. Epiphany is January 6th. And the sermon, I think, unless I take all this out, <laughs> is probably going to be uh, leaning heavily on the weight of glory. And if that ends up being the case, I might post it um, on our podcast because it seems to just fit. I also, Sean, was able to get just a lovely interview with somebody I go to church with who was a neighbor of C.S. Lewis's back in the 40s and 50s. Like, what are the odds of that? Yeah, that's incredible. Unless he had millions and millions of neighbors, which he really didn't. No. <laughs> uh, the odds are astronomical. Yeah. So someone who was a child uh, lived a couple blocks from Lewis now goes to my church and um, I was able to sit down and talk with him and um, record our conversation. So I'm going to try and get that up in uh, the next couple of weeks. And then Sean and I will finally get to the essay on the Psalms, which we had talked about doing earlier. And then some thoughts part two will come out just before Lent. And then in Lent, we've got a couple of essays that I hope we'll have a few more guests on, but I haven't confirmed that yet. And that will probably bring us to an end of season two. Um, that's wonderful. So just as a point of housekeeping, uh, remember that you can serve and help the podcast to grow by giving us a like or a review on whatever platform you are listening to us on, or of course, social media. One review we got recently on social media was from Shane Hall, who's been listening. Uh, he said, if you have any interest in C.S. Lewis whatsoever, he would re recommend our podcast. And he said, these guys really know their stuff, which is pretty generous. I'm not sure if that's entirely accurate, but I really, really appreciate uh, Shane, your review. And uh, Shane's been in touch with me. Shane also has an Instagram account where he posts quotes from Lewis and sometimes people like G.K. Chesterton. If you like that sort of thing, you should go follow him on Commonplace Quotes on Instagram. Thanks for your review, Shane. Anytime we get a review on our podcast apps, it always helps other people find us, so we always appreciate that. Anyway, Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. Awesome. Well, everyone, that was the end of the first part of the essay, Some Thoughts. You'll have to wait a couple weeks for the second part. As I mentioned, there will be a few bonus episodes and two upcoming episodes on Lewis's essay on the Psalms. In the meantime, you can go check out our new webpage. It's now up on the internet, and you can find it at pintswithjack.com lkl. That's for lesser-known Lewis, if you didn't put that together. If you wouldn't mind, we would love some feedback on it. It's kind of in beta mode. So after you check out our webpage, if you could send us an email at lesserknownlewis at gmail.com or contact us on our Instagram page, which is just at lesserknownlewis, and let us know what you liked about the webpage or if there's anything we can fix or something you think we should add to it, something you might want to see there, something that would be helpful. Or something we thought would be funny is if you go to the webpage and you see our pictures there on it, and this is your first time seeing what Sean and I look like after listening to our voices, 
We thought it would be fun to let us know if you think our voices match our pictures or if this is one of those oh that's not what I was picturing at all moments I don't know maybe you were imagining that Sean looks like a studious James McAvoy um, <laughs> I'm almost more interested to know what you've imagined we looked like after listening to us for hours than I am to know what you think about the website but uh, we would like all that feedback so send it to our email or Instagram um, what else oh yes all the links to the things in the episode are in the show notes as per usual as you can tell the Christmas holidays have Sean and I in a great mood we hope they have you in good spirits as well as you celebrate this present world until next week be blessed oh come thou day spring